Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast. Glad to have you along on this day before National Signing Day, the day before Tennessee takes on Cincinnati in basketball. We'll talk some hoops uh, coming out of that Memphis game and, and the Cincinnati game coming up with, with uh, Rob here in just a few minutes. But first, guys, let's uh, dive into recruiting as everybody's here, Austin, Jesse, and Rob. Um, the, the numbers, we've all talked about, you know, Austin, the numbers work themselves out. Maybe the numbers are working themselves out a little bit for Tennessee. Um, this time a week ago, and I said it on the podcast, you have that feeling during the time during the recruiting stretch where you think the school's going to get everybody, and then you go through a stretch where maybe they're not going to get everybody. And right now, I think everybody's trying to figure out where Tennessee's at with some guys and, and some momentum with guys. Starting first with the obvious question, and the, and the biggest name is Darnell Washington. Yeah, and, and for Darnell, I mean, you know, he's. He's seen everything he can see at, at every place that's a finalist for him. I mean, Multiple times. Yeah, uh, yeah, tenfold. Um, you know, seems like, you know, Georgia's, you know, got quite a bit of momentum there. Um, you know, uh, as I say on the site, when I put out the 7 out of 10, it's just based on the fact that Niedermeyer's put so much time into him. I give Niedermeyer a whole lot of credit. Um, you know, and I thought that he might be able to pull that one. Um, you know, Georgia, it, you know, has, has been the kind of the trendy pick for months. Um, you know, dating back <clears throat> to the summer, um, but I've never felt like they were. He was a lock to go there. Um, but when he took that trip there unofficially a few weeks ago, I think it maybe pulled them a little bit closer to the top than what they were. Jesse, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, I mean, I think Tennessee. I think Georgia is sat in the catbird seat. We, we've talked about this off air a bunch in the last forty-eight hours. I think they've sat in the catbird seat. But Tennessee did a nice job and has always done a nice job, kind of chipping away, chipping away. And Darnell's clearly a guy who uh, likes to look around. Yeah. And that's the reason Miami is even a dark horse in this. He's been there three or four times, you know, this year too. I mean, he and his family, they have taken a ton of trips. Um, so they know everything there is to know about all these schools. Tennessee getting the last visit, I think, cannot be discounted because that is something that was set up. Now, Georgia obviously set it up purposefully to have Darnell for their big recruiting weekend for the Notre Dame game. That was when he officially visited Athens then. And then, as AP said, to get him back on campus just two weeks ago unofficially, kind of the the inverse of what Tennessee did on campus unofficially during the season officially this past weekend. You know, the the, the tea leaves have have read Georgia, but it would not surprise me at all if, if Tennessee ends up being the pick. I, I, I am not a believer that he's going to go somewhere other than those two programs, though. I know that there's, you know, some Florida folks seem to have some hope. I don't know where that's coming from. <laughs> I think, you know, Miami would probably be the dark horse team. See, I don't see him going to Alabama. Uh, so that that's kind of where we are. And, and, and I don't expect it to hold either. And, and that's... That, that's just the reality of recruiting. Now, it held two years ago for some of these decisions. I know Jameer Johnson for Tennessee. There was even some guys at Georgia. that uh, Tyree Stevenson, some other guys that committed early and then signed. But it did not happen for Jason ha- Jaden Hazelwood a year ago. It did not happen for a couple other guys that were hoping to wait until the Army game or the Under Armour game to announce. So whoever gets Darnell, I would expect that to ultimately leak this week. Jameer Johnson, no one knew that he had signed. Yeah, no one difference. knew he was going to sign. You, you tell me, the, the, kids you, the two kids you referenced from Georgia, did, did they tell everybody that they were going to sign and wait, or did they just – they they did they did and and those are those are just the two guys I mentioned. Well, I, I just, that's the, then, hard, the 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 hard thing in today's time of like okay I'm going to sign this week okay right. well when the you know when when 
no papers roll in there because nobody can really react till the weekend because technically are you really going to overreact and say well we didn't get papers and then leak that out and then all of a sudden the kid's like well i was going to sign with you friday yeah you have to wait till the weekend for, for sure you for know sure. um but i mean like nobody's going to do that i mean nobody's going to not leak it out i mean like they, they don't want to look petty in the deal but i mean like it's going to get out and you know and that's that's the hard part of all this with, with Darnell is what, one way or the other, whether he picks Tennessee or not. I know you said Tennessee or Georgia. You know, Alabama is running really, really kind of quiet in this deal. I don't, I don't think I think you always have to respect them. I mean, they could pull a stunner. You see that every year. I mean, look at Eric Gilbert. Nobody had him pegged for LSU when he picked LSU. I'm not saying Darnell's going to pull some crazy rabbit out of his hat, but I'm just saying I don't think you can really discount anybody. I do agree that it seems like it's – 90% Tennessee, Georgia, but I, I, 100%. I mean, I, I can't say that. Well, here's an interesting one. His men, This mentor of his, David Hill, whoever that is, told the Miami site, Kane Sports, the Miami Rivals site, Monday night that Darnell might wait till February to sign, saying it's 60 40%, 60% he signs Wednesday, 40 that he waits till February. He'll sign if he feels 100% comfortable, otherwise he's going to wait. He could squeeze in three or four more unofficial visits. <laughs> wait so well, we'll see if that happens because the the other intel is that I think you know if push comes to shove, he'd like to enroll early. Oh yeah, but so you know, there's another there's another layer to someone who's speaking on behalf of speaking and not really speaking on behalf of Darnell, but speaking about Darnell, who's close to Darnell, and and I, and I think this Hill guy's traveled around some with him. I think he signs. Early. Yeah, I, think, I mean, I was the one that asked him on, on on Sunday, and he was pretty emphatic that you know he 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 joked that you know that he was a procrastinator with his homework and with his with naming his with naming his daughter Layla, but that he you know was going to come to a decision on Tuesday night and then sign Wednesday and then announce it at the at the All American yeah, game. But that, I, that is a new obviously a new wrinkle in that development. Yeah, I don't think that'll happen. But there's another layer to the rumor. You know, and the reality is, he, and we've talked. I've talked about this with people off it. He doesn't have to do anything now. He to AP's AP's right. He probably didn't need to even say anything, but thankfully he did. So we at least have some sort of idea of, of where his current thinking is. But if you're a top, really, if you're like a top 100 guy, you don't have to even sign an NLI. Oh. You know, so he doesn't have to sign anything anyways. He can just announce it at the at the. Uh, under Armour game and then show up on campus two days later, or he can just show up on campus. Yeah, certainly, he can. He doesn't have to. Doesn't have to sign. You know, he, he's not bound to any. You know, everybody's going to hold a spot for him. So right. it's not like a situation where he's trying to ensure that he's got, you know, what he needs and you know, a spot made for him. So that one again, I, and I said this in the chat. I believe this. I think Tennessee's done everything they can do there. Okay. Um, don't know that. You know. Yeah, you could argue that probably multiple schools feel that way. Yeah, and I, mean, that's I, I, I think you know Miami sent their whole entire offensive staff out there when when Coach Diaz went out there with them, you know, thinking that that helped them. Tennessee got the last in-home visit. Tennessee got the last on-campus visit. If he is indeed going to sign uh, on Wednesday or sign this week, if you're Tennessee, you can't do much more than that. You got him on campus as many times as he was on Georgia's campus. So, you know, you put your best foot forward. Is it enough? It doesn't feel like it's going to be enough at this point, uh, but. You can't say – my point, Rob, is that you can't sit here and say, boy, Tennessee made a miscalculation. You know, they, they took their shot too early or they did it. I mean, they, they did. They got you the know? kid on campus six times. Yeah, and, you know. It's they had, had the last official visit. Right. And that's you can't do much, you can't do much more than, I mean, than that. Now, their miscalculations happen 
elsewhere in this class. They, they have no, they, 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 there's nothing that you can fault them for in the recruitment of Darnell Washington. All right, let's, let's jump. Speaking of some questionable calculations, let's go to that outside linebacker position. Let's go to the Coleman kid. I think we all felt like that was going to be Tennessee. He had indicated to people that that one was going to be Tennessee. Uh, Austin, why is that not Tennessee? Uh, TC, you did a good job of planting doubt in the kid's head. <clears throat> you know, when I talked to him two nights ago, and I said, I said, you know, what, what are you doing? He goes, well, he goes, I, I'm going to decide by Monday. Um, I said, what, what's, what's the holdup with Tennessee? What, what are the negatives? He said, depth chart. He goes, they got 95, 30, and 27. And I said, okay. I said, <laughs> I just that's th- waiting for the rest of the numbers. I, I, I said, that's three guys, <laughs> three guys for, yeah. for, for two spots. You know, I mean, like, you're, I mean, like in theory, I'm like, you would technically be in the two deep, just saying, you know, just, just saying those three numbers. And he was like, well, they just got a lot of, they just got a lot of depth and, 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 you know, and then the more I talk to people, the more I, you know, he's kind of let Tennessee know that, you know, as that, what we talked about and people understood the stage. Some people feel like playing in this league with this kind of pressure is, is a little bit too much. I mean, there are plenty of kids that every year go, they doubt themselves whether they can play at this level or play, you know, amongst the pressure of this league. And, you know, I think that that was uh, weighing on him quite a bit. The, you know, the family wanted him at Tennessee. The kid wanted to go to TCU. And it looks like he's headed to TCU. Yeah, not done there, but trending that way after it was trending uh, the end of last week to, to Tennessee. Um, Which then makes Morvin Joseph all the more important. Right, particularly when you talk about that position. Some other guys, they, you know, they've, they've had there and then they haven't had, you know, they, they've decided to go elsewhere with that. And then Morvin Joseph, I, I don't care if Tennessee knew he was going or not. It doesn't matter. He still went yeah, to, to I, Tallahassee I to Florida State. And that one does that's – you know that that's a tough that's a tough deal. Yeah. Now maybe he went because Odell Higgins, the defensive line coach at Florida State, who he's closest to, said, "Hey, you got to give Coach Norvell a chance." Yep. Okay, get up here and give him a chance. Maybe that's the only reason he went. Uh, or you know, he is close with Higgins, and maybe Higgins, you know, talked him into Florida State up there. Doesn't feel like anybody's got a great feel for what he's going to do. I think there's some confidence with Florida State. But I don't think Florida State feels like he left their lock solid to Florida State. That's the that's the intel I get when I look at it. Florida kid took a visit to Florida State week four days before he's going to sign. There's nothing good about that. Yeah, if you're Tennessee. Yeah, it feels well, and and, 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 and particularly from from a kid. And this is this is again this is not a this is not a shot at the prospect. This is just the way it kind of goes these days. But particularly from uh, a recruit who has been committed to both Florida schools. Florida and Florida State, so clearly there's some indecision within you know. I mean, he put out a final two of not Florida State with Florida and Tennessee. And and, And and you know, again, last week somebody on the board said something about Florida State. I said he's not going to go to Florida State. He put out a final two of Tennessee and Florida. You know, you take a kid at face value. Again, this is the same. As I told Hubs, we've gotten to a day and age. You know, used to was respect my decision, no interviews. That was kind of the, the trendy thing to say. Now it's. 100% 100% shut down my recruitment. I've seen people put it 100% shut down my recruitment that had no interest from anybody else hey, on Twitter. It's like back in the day. It's like three months ago. <laughs> 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 like, it's like, yeah, three back, months ago. Back, in the, day, back in the day, they didn't answer the rotary telephone. Back in the I day called, when I was okay. keeping my Disney passes. <laughs> um, that, that was That's back in the you know, because what, what kids did before all the social media stuff was they, they had a harder time to straight up just misleading you on the phone. There were some that would, but a lot of them, they would just go dark. 
okay? Well, now sometimes kids are throwing people off the game, you know, or they want to make the social, from the social media standpoint, look like, you know, I've seen kids with final stuff with three or four teams in there that you know they don't have an option to go to two of those schools, you know, uh, but they still throw them in there as their final the just up. to make it look better and that type of thing. Um, so it is, it's hard to get a, a little bit of a vibe there. I, like, I don't know what Morvin Joseph's going to do. I don't think anybody has a great feel for what. I mean, it feels like Florida State should have all the momentum there. When I talked to him four days ago, yeah, pre Florida, pre Florida State, State, it was Tennessee. Yeah, it was. And his coach told his coach indicated to people he thought it was Tennessee. And then he takes this surprise surprise to all of us visit, you know, to, to Florida State. And a surprise visit to Florida State. Florida State, people that covered Florida State recruiting did not know he was coming up on Saturday. That was that was a surprise to him. To well, this, this, and this is an important one for DA and, and, and Rumpf and those guys to, to, to get it done. You well, know, because this, of the position this, of this, need. Yeah, because in this, you, you cannot come up empty, especially when you visit Jamari Butler and you take that commitment and then you'd say, well, we don't, not sure we have room, or you know, I mean, they they cannot whiff on outside line. AP, they've got 95, 27, and thirty. <laughs> Twenty-seven, maybe moving to inside linebacker. That's the you that's, know to that's, play alongside Henry, funny. and then I mean, you know, thirty had one sack there at the end of the year, you know, but otherwise was you know an, an afterthought for the most part. And I think he'll be get better. And they I mean, really need to honestly sign more than one. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, that's why they went after Coleman. Uh, I think they're going to try to play Tyler out there some, you know, um, you know. I, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that he and French will get will get a look there early, but then how big do their bodies grow? Oh, there's yeah. people. There's French, people. French seems too big already. Well, Tyler's I, I honestly already bigger than him. Tyler's got a neck that people think could be like 280. But Tyler mm-hmm. can move. So speaking of Tyler, I'm going to do something on Wednesday. He's gotten exactly, and it's not a knock on the kid. He he wanted this to be a surprise. He's wanted this to play out this way on Wednesday. The uncertainty of where he's going to go, Austin. You, you've contended that you think Tennessee has long going to be okay there, uh, but he he has given Kentucky a serious run and a serious thought, and uh, they've been a real factor in there. But it sounds like maybe Tennessee is going to be able to close this one out on Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, I, th- there have been people. That have that have pushed the Kentucky narrative out there for him, you know. Again, I go back to, you know, what I've said all along is, you know, I mean, he's liked Kentucky, um, you know, but he, it just, I don't think he was ever going to go there. I think, you know, he and I talked about it, you know, six weeks ago, and I think that, you know, while he likes, you know, the 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 tight ends coach there um, at, at Kentucky, um, while he likes. You know the defensive line coach at Kentucky, and he, and he really likes Mark Stoops. The fear is, you know, Kentucky's you know traditionally, you know, fallen off the map. Even if when they've had a year or two that was good. Well, and, and, and he likes Tennessee too. I yeah, mean, he, he does like Kentucky. I think his thing the, is the comfort level with Keyshawn with Cooper. He and and listen, uh, the other thing that I, I don't know why people you know people have always been you know stressed out because you know I, I get the Kentucky riders have. You know, led to, you know everybody to believe that Kentucky's way in there, and it was at one point it was Kentucky and Ohio State the top two. Ohio State was never a factor. Um, the, the one thing you know, he was huge in Keyshawn down the stretch um, when Keyshawn committed. He has privately worked with Big O. I mean, he's not he's not publicly you know been been pulling you know strings in the recruiting class, but privately he's been huge for them talking to kids. 
And so, like, that, that's the biggest reason I've just always, you know, there's no way the kid's not going to come to Tennessee. All right. Speaking of trending in the right direction for Tennessee, a couple more guys over on the offensive side of the ball. Jimmy Holiday. Jimmy Holiday from down in Mississippi is a guy that you've, we've talked about Tennessee's liked for a long time. Been a TCU commit. Seems like Tennessee's pitch with Jim Chaney and uh, the way that they they went about this. Chaney, you know, Winky, friend. I mean, know, they, when they went in there and pitched offense, quarterback to him, it resonated. You know, two weeks ago, it resonated him with resonated well with him, and it appears that one's in in Tennessee's favor right now too. Well, I mean, uh, all these guys. Jawan wanted to play quarterback when he left Blackman High School. I mean, all, all these guys fancy themselves as, at the position they currently play, or what they perceive to be the quote-unquote sexy position when they get there they, they find out otherwise you know when you know through spring practice through regular practice through you know just drills with their teammates you know who can play and who can't maybe he proves everybody wrong and he you know he comes in here and you know establishes himself as a real threat at quarterback and that's what he wants he yeah, wants correct. a chance he wants a chance Tennessee's going to give him that shot and, and and the best thing Tennessee's done is say hey we'll, we'll not only give you that chance but we have a plan how to use you if it doesn't work out and he's here out. in the spring right. and but but what Jesse's saying is exactly right they didn't just say we'll give you yeah, a shot we'll give you a shot they, they showed him we how we said this is what we're going to do I didn't mean to interrupt you but this is what you're going to do and he will be here as a midtermer correct and it, which it's, makes that room fascinating in the spring. he's aware that he's not going to just walk in here and become the quarterback okay so it's not like he's got delusions of grandeur that he's going to come in here and just win the job I, I think he knows that he's not quite ready but they've showed him a path to the field to be what Tim Jordan or Jawan were this year in the Wildcat and all of a sudden if, if Jimmy can throw it at all, which, I mean, Jimmy thinks he can. If you watch his film, I think those are pretty good um, for his skill set. All of a sudden, you've got a real threat in the Wildcat that could, you know, throw the football and not just be a guy that just runs right, runs left, or hands off. Yeah, and so Tennessee is moving in the right direction with him. He's going to do something on, on Wednesday. Wednesday is, is his plan. 9 a.m. Not going to, going to go early on Wednesday. We'll have a list of most all of everybody's times later tonight kind of – lay the roadmap out for you for how the day should go for Tennessee. Yeah, that 9 a.m. area, like Leneth Whitehead will be going about 9.30. He's actually earlier. Leneth is at 7.30 now, 7.38. Reginald Perry is at 8. Uh, Holiday 9. Um, obviously, Barron, you'll go live with the YouTube. That's around noon, 12.30. Uh, so, Tennessee will have a bunch of – They should Tennessee should get some – Right now, we, we haven't talked – I mean, they're, they're in a good spot for Whitehead. You know, I think UCLA's too far. Reginald Perry, I think they're going to beat out Georgia Tech, obviously there. Uh, so, Tennessee should have a lot of these, in turn, in quote-unquote, targets, you know, pretty much out of the way by about noon, 1230. And then, I think we all think – agree, right, AP, Oxendine, that, that, that ship – I can't say that ship is sailed, but I think that's a battle that Tennessee's going to lose to Kentucky. He goes at 245. Uh, and then Joseph is the big whale that Tennessee's going to be waiting on at 4 p.m. Yeah, he's he's the late one in the I'm day. I'm just glad he bumped it up a day. Um, yeah, because he was he was, was going to. Yeah, AP's right. He originally was going to go noon on Thursday. So, then, somebody asked me this question. I'm going to ask it. Yeah, to James you. Robinson going Friday. Yeah, I, I'm going to ask this to, to Austin and Jesse. To you, somebody asked me this. Here's you got Oxendine going to Kentucky, in-state guy. That one seems to make some sense. You got Justin Rogers. That that's another guy Tennessee and Kentucky went head to head with. You got Trayvon Ripka, and, and Tennessee couldn't win on any of those three. Now I think they're going to win on Tyler Barron. What what what's Kentucky doing? And not, I'm not saying Tennessee's doing wrong, 
What's Kentucky doing well with, with particularly defensive line recruiting that, that, that has them beating out some of the traditional powers in, in, in the SEC? I know Tennessee's not been as good the last decade, but, but why, are they, why are they having the success that they've had at that position? Well, I think Rodgers is probably in his own category because that recruitment was a little bit different than, than Ripka's and, and Oxendine's. But I do think for Ripka and Oxendine, it is important and has been important for both those guys to that, A, I think they feel very comfortable in Lexington, but B, Stoops is pitching, look at my track record of how well I've developed guys. Guys that were relatively no names from the Allen who became a first round draft pick to other guys who, who have become draft eligible players. Uh, and, and so I do think, you know, Tennessee is hoping to sell that same sort of pitch down the road with guy, you know, what Rocker was able to do in one year with Phillips and, and Tuttle. Uh, but sometimes it takes more than a single class, you know, to really prove that. So what happens with this next iteration of guys? So I think that development pitch for those two guys ended up being key. And, the, and you know, the ties again, in state for Oxendine. Ripka just felt more comfortable there than he did here. Uh, but make no mistake, I mean, Tennessee wanted all three of those guys. Does, does, is the development element in recruiting taking on a different shape on the football side? I mean, we know it's been a big deal in basketball. It's talked a lot, it's talked openly a lot about in basketball. It doesn't seem to be talked about as much in football with, with, with prospects when you talk to them. Um, because the, the, the landscape in, in recruiting those two sports, is, to me, is vastly different. Do, do you feel like the, the development element in football is becoming more of a factor in the decision-making by more kids? I know it's been for some kids, you know, for 20, 30 years. But do you think that's becoming more of a factor, more people are putting that in kids' heads than we've seen maybe in the past? Uh, I... No, I mean, I would say that it's almost anecdotal because it's different for each. Every kid has their own number one thing that they're looking for in, in recruiting. And so for some of these guys, it could be developmental. How do you get to the NFL? For others, it's where do I feel most comfortable in terms of fit? For others, it's where my buddy, where's my buddy going? For others, it's which, who's my, who's my right? favorite coach, you know? And so and we heard that a couple of years ago, right? Um, I, I'm just saying it was. That's a. Uh, Jesse just went over those those different lines. Where your buddies go, Justin Rogers. Where you feel comfortable, that's Trayvon Ripka. Ripka, you know, and another one, you know, was Tennessee a little bit too big for for Trayvon Ripka? I mean, I know it's in the SEC, but the pressure in Lexington, the atmosphere in Lexington, way different it's than. Not, it's Night and day. I mean, you're, you're, like, you're like less popular than the backup point guard. Yeah, if you're the best football player of the team. So it's just well, and, and, and remember, Ripka, he played. Ripka's he, hometown is a lot of Tennessee. So yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of you know burden and pressure. The, yeah, there was a too. bunch of pressure put on him. I don't think he just never. I don't feel like he felt that he jived with the staff here. And you know, Walt Wells, who's now the head coach at Eastern Kentucky, was massive in his recruitment. Um, you know, and, and a big reason why, you know, Trayvon picked Kentucky, um, he along with Coach Morrow. And then, you know, Oxendine, I mean, Tennessee was right there the whole time, so was Kentucky, and Kentucky just got it done late. Yeah, they, that fell for them because they, the, they got the last visit kind of yeah. turned momentum that well, last in-home visit. And no matter how bad they've been, they've been, they've been able to keep some in-state guys at home well, they've over done the a, And they've done a nice job through the years recruiting defensive linemen, found some under-the-radar guys you know, that have turned not just Josh Allen, but a couple guys from the state of Tennessee through the years that Tennessee didn't want that went on to be uh, good players and NFL players there. Uh, 
So the next, the next one out there that everybody wants to know about is Jay Hardy. What's the story with Jay Hardy? If, if, if I'm going I'm to put a VolQuest chat question on you here at AP. Give me a percentage. Is Jay Hardy going to sign Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, or no? What's the name of the, the, the VolQuest? I'll screw it up anyway, so I'm not going to give you that laugh. Vol fan 1089. Um, Valhalla Vols. <laughs> I like it. Um, I'm going to say he does not sign. Ooh. Um, I'm going to say that he, he waits till February. And it, you know, an open if, invitation. If that, come yeah, on 100%. back. If that, if, that, if that happens, then that is his way of saying, "Come get me." You know, just like you know, let's face it, Rakim Jarrett not signed. Rakim Jarrett's been committed since April to the number one team in the country, who's undefeated, who has a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, and has multiple receivers that are going to go in the first couple of rounds of the NFL draft. They're as hot as team as anybody in football. He ain't signing there until February because he says, "Come get me." He's got to sign up for Bama. He wants to go take. Yeah. A- Trip back to Bama. Come, come I get mean, me. I don't think Tennessee's going to get back in that one. Well, I don't either, but I wouldn't be shocked if he showed up on campus. Well, I wouldn't either. Yeah. I, I mean, seriously. Wouldn't. I, wouldn't, and I, and I, I don't think they're going to get him, but it wouldn't stun me at all if Rakeem Jarrett okay. doesn't roll Rakeem Jarrett, is, 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 it, it, he apparently falls in love with every high school quarterback that he gets around. Because we, we know how much he liked Harrison this oh, summer yeah. and all that. And the, the, the latest rumblings is that Bryce Young, Bama's, you know, the number one quarterback is the one that's gotten his talons now in the five. St- so that one's – but to AP's point, I mean, these guys could totally end it. And if they don't end it, it's because they don't want it to be over. And, you know, depending on how this outside linebacker situation works out, if Reggie Grimes decides not to sign with Oklahoma this week, which seems to be a real possibility – Oh, that's I know another this, one. That, I know that's this, another one that says come and get me. I know, I, come get I know me. the staff here is 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 all over the map with, with, with him a little bit, but that could be another Jesse one that Tennessee just, Jesse just walked into this podcast with a can of gasoline and, and a pack of matches <laughs> and just set it on fire with this Reggie Grimes thought, didn't he? Well, but it, it's 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 unique in the sense that you know, when when the early signing day was put in place, everybody said, Oh, it's so much it's it's so great for the kids. You know, let's do this for the kids and, and make life easier for them. I've always contended it doesn't help. It doesn't shorten it as much as everybody thinks because you get, I mean, if you didn't have an early signing period, you'd be in the dead period right now, okay? And the dead period would carry you into January the 12th, 13th. So you would come back out and essentially you would have an opportunity to host a, ki- a coach in your house two more times. Maybe three, three. depending on how the calendar fell on when signing day was two to three most likely three more times okay you know so so where are you really helping because because think about for the kids right now who are getting squeezed late who aren't sure what you know do they have a spot do they not have a spot the the school they committed to has massive turnover on their coaching staff or a brand new head coach i mean i've always contended it doesn't benefit the kid the way everybody thinks it benefits the kid. Well, the other thing, too, is, you know, I think it makes it far worse for a kid that does not sign early because all of a sudden there's going to be so many schools calling these kids, you know, in the month of January for, like, any any kid that's, you know, like a D. Beckwith. Like, he's not going to sign early. Right now it's Tennessee, Florida, Ole Miss. But you can bet your bottom dollar that when somebody's sitting there with a couple open spots in January and they need a big athlete, all of a sudden, here comes this school, here comes that school, which is good in theory, but it also puts a lot of pressure on a kid in that three-week window it's that he didn't have before. To, now, well, to, I, to I, me, I, the pressure in that three-week window is pressure they can manage because it's their controllable pressure. 
I'm going to let that coach in my house. I'm not going to let that coach in my house. The pressure over the two-week stretch in December, some of that's out of their control because that offensive coordinator just took another job. Okay, this guy got fired. I don't know if I have a spot. They can control that pressure more in January to me than they can in those first two weeks of December. Uh, uh, very fair. My only devil's advocate is that if seventy, it's been it's been north of seventy each year. It's probably it probably will get around seventy five percent of the kids sign uh, this week. It does. If, if if that if that signing day didn't happen, your scenario of guys getting squeezed, people leaving, that stuff that stuff happened in February Agreed. every time, and now they at least have a backup. There's another signing day where they actually will. If you don't sign, some of these guys can actually fall into a place in February. Whereas uh, other times, it was there was nothing to fall into. There was nothing to fall into. You may have to go to a JUCO or or, or somewhere else. I mean, so, look at look at a guy like Adonis Ote made the wise move last year. Well, not to sound with Arkansas again the because there's only so many options. If, if seventy something percent of the athletes, it's hard enough to people get infatuated with ratings and all that. You know how hard it is even to just be a three star in college football, and how many there, there's only so many of those. And so, if you're one of the few guys that is still out there in in January, to your point about D Beckwith, he could have a bunch of options because sure. <laughs> there's only so many. Uh, schools that A, still have spots, or B, they're like, well, we really need this guy. Well, I still maintain if you want to shake it up, make it in August. Oh, I mean, yeah, no, no doubt about that. If you I want mean, to make that, a difference for the kids, let them sign in August. I, I, I understand your point, Jesse, and I don't disagree with that. By If you get squeezed in December, it does open up yourself. I think the thing that kids – and I think this will happen, and, and that's why I don't think the number is going to rise necessarily above a 75%. I don't think it's ever going to go to 85 or 90%. Once kids realize it's okay to not sign in December, you know, to maintain your options, make sure you're sure, then I think um, it won't trend back down to 50%. But there's been a stigma, I think, the first couple of years that it's a bad thing if you don't sign in December. For kids, and I think once kids understand it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world for their individual situation, then I think it benefits everybody out. I think my thing is, you know, if a kid just, I've got to sign there because I don't know that I'm going to have anything else. And so I'm signing there even though the coach says they want me, but it's a new coach, do they really want me, but I don't really have a choice type thing. All, all that, all that is, is absolutely true and very fair. The only, the only thing I'd say about this, that the signing to the early signing day is beneficial and a guy at Tennessee, I think, AP, would agree last year he made a mistake, is if you know where you're going to the point of Jay Hardy and these guys, if they decide not to sign, it's an open invitation, go ahead and sign them this week because you do eliminate the phone calls and the visits and all that. So last year, Darnell Wright had to deal with stuff that he didn't want to deal didn't with. Want to deal with. Right. And he knew he was going to Tennessee, but he waited to sign until February because he, and so, like, he wanted to sign with his teammates. Because he wanted to sign with his teammates. Which, Hart- which is allegedly what Jay Hardy is saying right now. Yeah, which is, again, that's something that... You can still t- sign with your teammates. You can get up there and have your ceremony. Yeah, you can get up there and have your ceremony, and your papers can already be... And so, like, that, I think, but is... But that, that notion that you want to sign with your... Because Amari Thomas said that, too. I want to sign with my teammates. Yeah. It's your day. It's not your team's day. Your team, your, you know what I'm saying? The team's day is at the team banquet. and I mean, no offense. I mean, you think more people are going to come to your ceremony because you're there? To, it, it, how's that helping your teammates? I already know where they're going to go to school. Like, why would you do that to yourself if you know where you're going? Case in point, Darnell 
right, which I think if you ask him, yeah, I should have done that deal and got that thing over with in December. So if you know where you're going, I get it. I if think you're he not said that on January sure, 1st. <laughs> so I think he said that about yeah. January 1st. If you're not sure, it's okay to wait. Yes. Which I'm not sure all those kids have long believed, the last couple of years believed, it's okay to wait if you're not 100% sure. All right, so Tennessee's going to carry two, maybe three over? I think four so. Over? I don't think it'll be that many. I think they do 22 in the early signing period. Probably depends on what happens with Kyrie Miller. Yeah, I mean, and, maybe and it's twenty. It, to me, it's between twenty-one and twenty-three. I think you at least it's between two and four spots going into February. That's for guys like Hardy back with maybe another corner because uh, Tennessee don't really have one as Jesse talked about an uh, outside linebacker, an outside linebacker that or a transfer or a transfer or yeah or a potential grad transfer. I don't think they would just take a, a transfer. Um, I think it had to be a grad transfer. Unless it's a transfer they think could win an immediate appeal. Yes. To, to be eligible. It would be somebody who could play immediately if yes. they take a transfer. All right. So it's going to change throughout the day today. We did this podcast and recorded it, you know, basically live here and posted it for you guys because we know things are going to change throughout the day. Keep it locked in to the general's quarters. We'll give you the latest that we can dig up as we go along throughout the day today. We'll have a roadmap for you tonight to get ready for tomorrow. Tomorrow, the Tennessee basketball team, believe it or not, Rob, plays a basketball game at Cincinnati, an important game for this team, coming off just an ugly performance um, offensively against Memphis on Saturday. Question to you about basketball. Anomaly on Saturday, concern because of what you saw Saturday. I mean, I don't want to make too much of it because, I mean, it's one game in December, but, I mean, I think there's some concern just when you look at Bowden and Turner. And how, I mean, they've not been great. I mean, I, I can't remember what all the numbers were. I wrote it on Saturday. But, I mean, uh, Lamonte's shooting under 30% for the year. It's pretty apparent that he's really – the shoulders the shoulders are a real thing. To the point he's been out of town to have it looked at yeah, St. Louis. Rick, I mean, Rick indicated, you know, privately last week and just went ahead and, and put it out there publicly on, on ball calls last night that he, he's been to see some specialists in St. Louis about it. Um Last week, and you know, and, and again, for Rick to even mention it tells you it's real. Because I mean, he 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 doesn't carry water for his kids. I mean, if a guy's not playing well or whatever, he he, he makes the kid face the music. He's not he's not going to make excuses. And I just don't. To to me, I mean, from what I've heard behind the scenes, I mean, I, I think the shoulder is a is a real deal. That is. I, I'm not sure how much better it's going to get. With that being the case, how much more pressure falls on Jordan Bowden? Uh, a ton, and I'm not sure that. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not sure that he's, you know, built to, to handle it. I mean, I, I think, and he, this is no knock on Jordan. He's a really good player. I think where Jordan was last year as the as the third or fourth option suited him perfectly. I don't know that Jordan's built to be a, the guy that has to go get you 16, 17 points a night. If you're going to be an SEC team, a good SEC team. Yeah, he, he's a Robin or an Alfred. He's not a Batman. Yeah, I agree. That, that's a great analogy. Maybe and an and and Lamonte, as things stand right now, can't be taking 13 shots a game. I mean, he's got to change the way he plays. But that begs the question: Who's who's the guy to do? Yeah, <laughs> you know, we're, we're, who's, who's he going to pass to? You know, I mean, Coach Barnes said Monday night on ball calls that one of the concerns, one of the things he saw right now with his team offensively. The veteran players don't trust the young players on the offensive end of the floor. You buy that? You see that? Oh yeah, totally. I mean, I think they trust Josiah, but then you look at look. I mean, and, 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 and Rick doesn't trust his young players. <laughs> I mean, look at the game the other day. Lamonte or uh, Devonte comes in in the first half, makes like 
has some kind of pick and roll situation with Camwa, throws it away. Devontae never gets back in the game, ever. He doesn't, doesn't get off the bench in the second half. Um, Jalen Johnson doesn't. I mean, he's not a young player anymore, but he doesn't get off the bench in the second half. He plays two minutes, three one seconds. You know, has a couple bad defensive possessions. Rick doesn't play him again. Rick's got to get over that, man. I mean, he's got to play guys. I mean, as bad. I mean, as bad as Lamonte is right now. I mean, and he, he doesn't need to be playing thirty nine minutes a game. He's got. I mean, but Josiah can play point. And I think Rick trusts Josiah to play point, but. He's not shifting him over there and taking Devontae off the ball if Devontae can't come in, if Jalen Johnson can't come in. He's, I mean, he's good. He's running out of opportunities, for, you know, pressure-free opportunities where he can play these days. I mean, he's just going to have to do it and, and like, eat, live with the mistakes that they're going to make. Because it's, he, I think Rick is bailing himself out by saying that older players don't trust Rick doesn't trust him. And I think that, that message comes through. To, you know, by, that, by the bench minute, by the minutes that they play. Yeah, that message comes through the minutes. And, like, you know, <laughs> the older guys aren't getting much of a chance to trust the younger dudes. Because I mean, he played Pimper a lot the other day. And, and I, I mean, everybody in here knows that I like Pimper. But I think Pimper's got a lot of potential. But Pimper played 13 minutes. You go to the plus minus. Tennessee was minus 10 in the 13 minutes that Drew was on the floor. Defense, defensive liability about, right now. All about now. the defense. Yeah. All about the defense. So does, does is there any chance they look at zone? They've been a good defensive team oh, with those five, with the five that they trust. You know the veterans plus Josiah. But when you bring those other guys, I mean, do you have to hide Drew a little bit in the zone? Him, dude, you, you know Rick. I know. Like I, I just can't see him. He I mean, just he hates the zone. I mean they, he he didn't want to practice. Didn't want to spend practice time on it. I'm just wondering. I, I'm, I'm I'm with you. I mean it's a very fair question. Very fair. I just I, I would be surprised if he actually, you know, would would. Put the effort, the coaching effort, and, and you know, block out thirty you know, minutes, thirty a day. minutes a day for the next, you know, from until conference play started to work on playing a two-three zone. I just, man, I just don't see it. Back to Bowden, he's not been in the free throw line the last two games. How see, how much he's, does he have to put the ball on the floor to. and go he to the rim? He can't be a spot-up shooter for this team, especially as much as Lamonte is struggling. He's got to put the ball on the floor, and it can be effective. Doing it. I mean, even if he doesn't go all the way to the rim. I mean, just you know, just don't be a three-point shooter. Take two dribbles, and 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 shoot the pull up. I just he he has got to do more of that. Got to. What do you expect out of this team tomorrow night? Cincinnati. Uh, it's a different oh, Cincinnati bad. team. They're bad. I mean, they got a coaching change. They're and six they, and four. They're and, not and, playing and that two mean of the, physical two of the, style. Six and four, and two of the wins were overtime over Valparaiso, overtime over Bowling Green. I mean, it, at home. So, and you lost to, to Colgate the last time out at home. I mean, they're going to be desperate. I mean, Tennessee's going to get a really nice effort from them, but I, they're, they're limited. I mean, ten, this is one that Tennessee should win. Even though, I mean, on the surface, it looks like a tough road game. They still, you know, Cincinnati still has a little cachet from, you know, being, being, a, being a tough pro, tough team, good program. And they are. I mean, they deserve that. But they're, they're having a tough year. If Tennessee can't pick this one up tomorrow night, I think that's a bad, bad sign after what we saw on Saturday. A huge red flag. Besides Bowden, what, what, who needs to – and, look, Turner's going to be – Turner's not going to be there. He's not going to flip the switch and suddenly shoot 60% tomorrow night. I think we all get that. Where, where, does, where does Rick need – what does he need in this game and, and what does he got to do for this team moving forward? Is it just simply he's got to gain trust in – and, and, and Devontae Gaines? I mean, I, Devontae's not going to be the answer. I mean, I, I think the I mean, Fulkerson and Pond, I mean, I don't want to say Fulky didn't show up on Saturday because he did. I mean, he, he did some nice things, especially, you know, defensively. You know, re- really showed up in battle. It, it, 
they used three of the eight. Pons just Pons just didn't, didn't have it. You know, he he had, he had three shots on the day, but you know, I, those two guys have just got to be efficient. I mean, I don't think that you can expect them to get 15, 16, 17 points every night, but they've got to be efficient. If they take nine shots, they, they need to hit five. You know, both of those guys, and they've got to get on the glass. And last thing, as much as I've been surprised and impressed by how this team has played defensively to start the year. I've been equally surprised at how inefficient they've been on offense to start the year. Would you say the same thing? One hundred percent to steal a line from Jesse Simonton. One hundred percent. Are you more surprised about the offense or more surprised about the defense I'm, to the good? Uh, it's that's that's really six and one half does the other. But the, the defense has been outstanding. I mean, even I mean, my God, if you told Rick Friday night that Memphis was going to shoot thirty four percent and score fifty one points. You need to jerk your arm off, you know, shaking your hand and taking that. And the other game they lost, Florida State shot 33%. So, I mean, there are two losses. <laughs> the opponent's been under 35%. I'm more surprised by that, just given, you know, the, the fact that they are working at some new people. And, and, it's, and it's hard to play defense like that, communicate the way they have been. The offense... I mean, I'm not stunned. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised they're struggling so bad. I mean, I would have never thought they would have shot 25% a game, ever. Right. Ever. But but nobody knew where Lamonte was. There was yeah. no vibe that Lamonte's shoulder was going to be this big of an issue in, in this. And it clearly is. And I'm not trying to make excuses for the kid, but, but you just look at it. It's but that a, it's changed apparent. offensive back. And, right, and look, Memphis, Memphis dared Tennessee to shoot the three ball. They dared them to shoot jump shots. I think lots of teams are going to do that. Yeah, and you go back and look at shows it. And they were they weren't taking contested shots. I mean, I mean they had, they had. I would say they had a dozen wide. Open that's why. Looks. That's why it boggles my mind that people are all over Rick. I mean, I, I mean I'm not trying. Everybody knows I, I like Coach Barnes. I, mean, I think he does a good job. But people that think that Rick you know, did, did a poor job in that game, his team missed 25. I mean, they shot 15 to 60. They had. What, what is that? Forty-five misses. I bet twenty-five of them. They didn't have. A, they didn't have a hand in their face. Yeah, crazy. So we'll see if this team can find it offensively uh, tomorrow night in Cincinnati. We'll have full coverage of that game. Full coverage of signing day tomorrow. Full coverage of Tennessee football practice this afternoon and the rest of the week as well. That's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest.com podcast for Austin Price, Jesse Simonton, and Rob Lewis. I'm Brent Hubs. Have a great Tuesday, everybody.